through true adversity and through really these difficult situations, whether it's losing a parent, losing a job, losing something, how you respond to that in those moments, in the heat of those moments, that's how you're molded is how do you respond to that? Because when you come out of that process, you're a new person. This is for the others out there, the other ambitious people who want to play at a higher level in their life. It's time to get curious and get real. Join me and together, let's find the others. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Find the Others podcast. I am your host, Joshua Church. Grateful to have you with us. New episodes are dropping every Wednesday and Sunday, so be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can get the notification when a new episode comes out. And give me a follow on Instagram at Joshua Dean Church to catch different clips and highlights that I post. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, you find something that might be valuable, please be sure to share it with a friend who also might be into it so that together we can continue to grow our tribe of others. Today, I'm excited to bring you a conversation with my good friend, Dave Gerber. Dave is recently a new uncle. He's a Starbucks loyalist, golf enthusiast, and someone who's incredibly driven by his why. At age 14, Dave and his family suffered the tragic loss of his father to cancer just six short months after his diagnosis. Dave went on to play baseball at a D1 school, Creighton University, where despite not being a top recruit, he ended up setting records as their closer. After school, he was drafted by the Seattle Mariners in the MLB draft and recognized as one of the top player leaders in the organization. But after injury and release in 2019, Dave had to redefine his dreams. He took his lessons learned from baseball and his experiences into sales and territory management, where he has built successful businesses in Connecticut, Nebraska, and Iowa. Dave has learned to defy the odds time and time again through the ability to bet on himself and lead others around him to do the same. Dave is certainly no stranger to meeting adversity and overcoming it. And in this conversation, we talked all about that, all about his journey, what it was like to lose a parent at age 14, how he unexpectedly got drafted into the MLB after college and how he fought to get his career lined up and really did bet on himself. If you liked this podcast, go check out episode number seven with Tommy Edmond or episode number 13 with Kelsey Plum. I'm excited for y'all to get into this one. Fun conversation with Dave Gerber. How are you feeling, my friend? Oh, you know what? <laughs> That's nice right there. A little deep breath. <laughs> Jeez, man. I know. The power of breathing. The power of breathing. That uh, That is nice. You know, the heart pumps and then you start slowing it down. That's it. That's, you, that's, you, that we're you know, finally here. Yeah, we're here, man. You know a thing or two about that from baseball, right? Things speed up, and it's all about how you can slow the game down, mm-hmm. um, and especially when things are going not the way you want to. You really got to slow it down because yeah. you're in control, you know, um, and you got to remember that. So um, it's it's funny, though. I haven't done any type of interview in a while. Oh, yeah. So it was funny when I walked in here. I was like, man, I'm kind of hearts pump a little bit. Yeah. I don't know what to expect here or there, but that is nice. Just remembering to get to your breath. That's it. That's all it's about. And this isn't even an interview. This is a conversation. <laughs> this is this is me getting to shoot the shit with my boy. Totally. I mean, <laughs> we, and we've been talking about this for a while because yeah. you started this uh, 
Man, quite a while ago. You're yeah. Getting, you're getting on episode 100 That's now. right. That's right. It's going really well. Yes. Um, have you learned a bunch on the way? I mean, you've interviewed some really... you had conversations. Yes. With some yeah. really interesting... Sure, sure have. Yeah. yeah, it's been such a fun project. And yeah, you've been you've been on my radar for a while. And I'm just so glad. I was like, we're going to wait to do this in person. <laughs> and it's super cool to have you uh, have you in town here for in person to run this well, thing. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I love being back here. Yeah. You just get the good vibes. I know. How? California's got it's it's got that space you just yeah feel it, so. yeah and when you spent I mean it was a couple years ago when you spent some time with us out in LA right yep well yep. you were in San Diego but you spent you came up to LA quite a bit so it was yeah I was in San Diego kind of just working in the off season right um and you know working with Suja mm-hmm. and I was driving up and down from Santa Monica and then coming back to San Diego and I was kind of in both places yep um so I got to the best of both worlds I always say my favorite place I've ever been to in the world very favorite location is like Malibu yeah in the morning Oof with coffee yes like, just on the beach now um, now important question what kind of coffee so <laughs> it's gone the sugar content has gone way down <laughs> because it used to be an iced cinnamon almond milk macchiato oh no um, and you know what to that point it's still kind of like a routine thing that yeah. i do every now and then yeah but um i'm just straight up iced americano now cool even in the winter it's cool iced coffee amazing so that's where i'm called my coffee has i've really matured in that area. i love it you've grown up man i'm proud i'm proud of you man one one day we'll get you drinking straight black coffee hey man, man that, that's what i iced america america yeah you're right yeah that's you're there rocket fuel that is water. that's good that's good um dude I'm, I'm pumped for this conversation as well because i feel like we have a mini podcast every time we talk and we catch up on the yeah. phone um and i always love kind of exploring some of these different mindset themes and ideas with you and just some some of your stories i mean i find truly inspiring and i know other people do as well maybe you don't give yourself as much credit for it but (laughs) you're not i don't care about you on that one Uh, you're not the one that needs to judge that i've always said that like you know because we were talking about getting on i was like man i don't feel like i've done anything like you know we're just kind of going about our business the way we need to and so um i I, you've got a a perspective from the outside looking yeah and i think we don't look maybe inward enough and Mm recognize what we've maybe accomplished so um i i appreciate that yeah and i'm glad i can be on and totally add man. something to it 100 percent. that's a great point too i think for everybody that like we just we don't stop and actually give ourselves enough credit like if you actually stop and you look back and like look what you've like look what you've gone through look what you've been through like right. look at the things that you've overcome like that ain't no joke and that's the whole idea of find the others it's right. like finding the other people that have gone through the things too yeah. from different walks of life different stories yeah. totally different range of people of experiences of expertise but to be able to see find the commonality and that common thread that shared humanity and all of that like right. that's what it's about totally totally yeah so w- one of the things that um that i've I, I think you really have led by example with and uh, and that it's inspiring to me is how you handle facing adversity. Mm-hmm. You're no stranger to facing adversity through multiple different times at your life. Like when was there, when was the first time that you felt, maybe this is even dating back to when you were a kid. Like when was the first time that you felt like you were hit with some real adversity? That's a great question. Um, you know, I think the real adversity moment, the real adversity, yeah. um, was with my father. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you know, interesting way of adversity. I think it was just a very much a like giant life shift for me. So, um, in 2009 in November, my, my dad, right when I turned 14 was diagnosed with renal cell carcinoma, mm-hmm. kidney cancer, you know, this, yeah. um, and, uh, you know, was in stage four and quickly six months later passed away. 
you know, I was having this conversation last night, but um, it's, it's, it's interesting because I sit and I say, you know, my life really started there. Mm. Um, I grew up there because I, I didn't have the ability, right? I was, I was a young kid, but I had to move forward real fast because um because life hit really hard it was untimely it was difficult for my family and not only was i just a teenage boy but i had to make sure okay well i can't i can't stress out my mom Mm -hmm. i got to make sure i'm doing the right thing to move forward and i got to make sure that this family and i play my part to make sure i don't rip us apart even more that we stay together Mm -hmm. so that was really the first time i felt serious adversity or a serious life shift yeah um and in in a situation where okay i had to i had to put all the pieces together that's a lot when well, we were eighth grade right yeah. <laughs> 14 years old eighth grade. yeah and it, and it if it kind of feels like yesterday but it was just so long ago mm. um and, and and some of that time in your life kind of you black out right it's right. a lot of trauma for a kid yeah um but it started shaping how I went through situations that were out of my control. Mm, how so? You know, it, it your back gets put against a wall and you almost feel helpless. And then, you know, you realize you take one step and you take another and you take another and another and another. And you get a you 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 go through this process and then you can look back and say, okay, I've moved this far. And there's some power in having that especially mm. when you're going through that situation knowing okay i i got i got through that and um and now i'm going to continue to move forward and and that really helped me going forward throughout whatever i had to go through um knowing that no matter where your back gets put you can still move forward um you've got to put the effort the time in mm. you got to be conscientious but you can get there um and so i I look back, maybe at the time I didn't realize that was the thing that, that I was doing, but looking back, you know, it just felt like you feel, you feel like you're in this hopeless situation, but with effort and with a good attitude, you can move through some of that stuff, you know? And, and I, I mean, I, I come back here, I get great memories with my father. I, I love him. He's fantastic. My brother's a father now. Mm-hmm. Uncle Squad. Uncle Squad, what up? <laughs> um, and, uh, and but, you know, I learned a lot of lessons from him regardless of whether I got to spend the time with him. Mm. Um, just being able to look back and see how I had to respond to that, but also see how we got to be together growing up. Totally. And, and my dad is your godfather, right? Yes. And your dad was my godfather. Yes. So we kind of have that cool shared commonality because they were best friends. Yep. Yep. And, and it's funny, too, because, you know, it's it is you guys are my my father's side of the family. You know? mm. And that's what I what I feel. I, I love coming out and, and seeing everybody because, you know, we are we're cousins. Yeah, I mean, not for sure. Blood, but yeah. Through life experience. So um, I've you know, I, we, it's nice to come back here and have some good memories through that. Absolutely. So yeah. I, I love that. And I, I like what you were saying around that when your back's against the wall, you just start, it's just one step, little step, tiny steps. Yeah. And eventually it builds momentum. And you know, it, sometimes it's, it, it feels like such a large task. And if you don't make a big jump mm. that like, it's, it's a, it's worthless, but really like those little steps, those are the big jump. Um, and then eventually, you know, you, you get through to that spot and you realize all the ground you've covered. Um, so, you know, it, it really shaped me in that and, and understanding that and, 
man, family's everything. Mm. Hold, hold your family close. Cause you really don't know. Yeah. So, and I mean, that's a lot. It, it 14 years old to now have the, the almost like the weight or the responsibility. And I saw you really take it on. Yeah. I mean, right around that time, your brother was getting deeper into baseball, right? He was very, very focused on baseball as well. Yeah. It was up to you two really to take care of your mom and to get a lot of things sorted, especially because of how sudden it happened. There wasn't a lot of time to prepare. It felt like totally, you know, and, and when you're in it, it's, it's hectic and crazy and you don't even think about the aftermath of what happens. And then after we had lost him, it was, it was, we got to grow up. Like, yeah, we got to get moving. Mm. Uh, we got to do this. We got to do that. Can we help our family financially through baseball? And, um, and I like that you brought Mike up because Mike played such a important role in, in my, my shaping my mentality, but you know, seeing what I could try to chase. Yeah. Mike was a great, is a, is a great baseball player mm -hmm. and was drafted to the Yankees out of high school and went to Creighton. It gave me something to look at. Um, almost as an idea of, you know, I like, I hear self-made and I don't really believe in it. Like there's always outside pieces and individuals that really help you move forward. Mm -hmm. Um, and he, yeah, he was such a great piece for me to follow as a mentor in that time. Yeah, absolutely. So. Now that's like, that's the biggest fear of a lot of people is losing a parent, yeah. right? Yeah. Losing someone close to them. Yeah. Like what, for what, what insight or what, what nuggets of gold can you now see having gone through that, that you couldn't see then that have provided value for you in your life? Um, that's a, you know, we all go through really hard times mm -hmm. and we need to understand that during those hard times, the way we react, we're, sh we're shaping ourselves. Um, and we're, we're, we're molding ourselves into the person we want to become and through true adversity and through really these difficult situations, whether it's losing a parent, um, losing a job, losing something, um, how you respond to that in those moments, in the heat of those moments, that's how you're molded is how do you respond to that? Um, because when you come out of that process, you're a new person. And that's why I say, I feel like my life started mm. at that moment because that was the first really heat of the moment where we had to pro I had to process and learn that. And man, it wasn't easy. Yeah. And there were a lot of emotional times and it was so hard, um, losing that connection and losing that individual, but you have to respond and know that, you know, man, he'd be so proud now. And, um, and, and I can't control that situation, but I can control how I respond to it and, um, you know, and mm. just keep moving forward. So that's, that's beautiful, man. It's, it gave you an opportunity to respond. It get it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's a great way to, put and it. that's, and that's like when that's, that's life, right? As you yeah. get older, you realize that's what life is. It's like, you can only control so much. It's how are you going to respond when it's like, what's the line? Life is 95% what happened. Uh, not life is. 5% what happens to you, 95% how you respond. Yeah, yeah. And and you at a very young age had something pretty big happen and right. were forced to respond and you you stepped up. You chose to step up and respond. Right. Yeah. And and yeah, it didn't feel like I had a choice. Yeah. But but you know, you, you just gotta, like I said, one step forward. Right. Um, and you know, and I was so lucky to have people around me and surrounded and surrounding me and my family yeah. to um to help us push forward. So cool. I've got an interesting question for you. Um I have an answer to this as well, specifically with your dad, but I'd be curious to hear from your perspective. What role does your dad play in your life right now, even though he's not physically present? Oh, man. 
I haven't thought about that. Um, you know, I he he plays this role. I think in my life, um, he he was a great guy. He mm-hmm. really went about his business the right way. Um, he plays this role as as a mentor in the sense that I can't look. I can't have conversations with him now. Mm-hmm. Hey, what'd you do when you were twenty seven? Hey, what did you do when you lost this position or you lost this job or you had to give up on a dream or not give up on a dream, but shift it? Mm-hmm. How did you respond to that? Um, but through what I experienced with him, there's this mentor of, well, I know who he was and I know how he lived by and the way he lived. And he almost is still that individual that mm-hmm. I can say, well, he would have done this in this situation you know, how should I respond to this? Mm. Um, and so he still plays this role as a mentor because mm. I knew him. Right. Um, but, you know, he'll always be that for me. Yeah. You know, fathers and their boys and mothers and their and their daughters and and just parents with their mm-hmm. with their children. It's it's they are at the at the beginning are mentors. And so he'll always be that to me. And to this day, he still is. That's so beautiful, man. That's yeah. super powerful. I don't want to cry. On yeah. The podcast. Um, but, uh, and I'll try not to. Do, do um, you do your thing, bro? I, you know, I, I love talking about him. I don't do it enough. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we're, we're grinding, we're doing what we've yeah. got to do. Uh, we're focused on our us and, and where mm-hmm. we are trying to get to and uh, to help the other others around us. And mm-hmm. so um, it, it makes me smile thinking about it and just, you know, thinking about what he'd be thinking and, and where he'd be at right now. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Love it, man. Yeah. Powerful. Thank you for sharing. No, I, I love it. I yeah. Love it. Anytime I can bring his memory. Up, yeah, it's, man. It's beautiful. Yeah. And I certainly hold his memory near and dear and close <laughs> to my heart all throughout the days, man. So yeah. it's a it's a special thing. So, I mean, after after high school, you went to college to play baseball, right? right. Your brother went to Creighton and then you decided to go to Creighton as well yeah. to play baseball. T- tell me about like what the shift was going. You know, you love grew up playing baseball, loving baseball. You were really good at baseball. Was baseball the focus? Like, were you set on, I want to go play in the major league baseball? I want to go play in the show. Was that something you decided? There was a shift for sure. In high school, it was, that was it, right? Like I had watched my brother go through, be incredibly successful, mm-hmm. go to Creighton. Um, and though I was going through some struggles at that time, it gave me something to shoot for. Mm-hmm. Um, it gave me a goal, gave me a reason to push. And yeah, I wanted to be a major league baseball player. And, uh, you know, I was lucky enough through high school, um, through a lot of hard work, it just, you know, it didn't come super easy to me, mm. but I got a shot at Creighton right. and quickly I realized, oh man, I don't know if I'm cut out to, to do this. Like I think so. Um, I had a goal, uh, but I was like, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to accomplish this goal with the ability that I have right now. Mm-hmm. So I love this quote of, uh, be stubborn with your goals and flexible with your methods. Ooh, and and I really yeah. learned this through, um, uh, adversity. When I got to Creighton, it wasn't easy. I was not, I, if there were 20, 25 pitchers on the team and there weren't, but I'm just saying if there were 25, I was number 25 yeah. in the packing order. Um, and after my freshman year, there was, Hey, we need to make this change. Have you ever seen a submarine pitcher? <laughs> I knew what it was and it was like, you know, we want you to try this and we don't know if this doesn't work. We don't know if you can play here. Mm. Um, and it was this moment where I had this weird defining moment of, okay, I'm going to put all my marbles in this basket, but I'm defining myself as a baseball player. Like who am I as a human being? Because it was this moment where I, where I was told this might not work. Right. Um, and so I really went through a summer of redefining not only myself as a baseball player, but myself as a person. Mm. 
what was I passionate about? Who was I aside from the game? Because when everything happened with my family, the game became number one. It was the way that I could help pay for school. Um, it was it was my dream. It was the the sole thing. And and I started to have to shift some of that idea. And so I got to Creighton. It was really hard. You know, I got there and I was weak. <laughs> I remember get bench pressing the first time. I couldn't get 95 pounds up and I'll never <laughs> forget. The guy was like, what are you doing? Like, how are you, how are you not getting this up? And um, and but it was great because my back was again against the wall and I I knew what to do. I just had to take some steps forward. Um, and I really cared. And I think that's that's the key piece. And so I worked really hard and I was surrounded by really great individuals, best friends that I still have today mm -hmm. um, because they were with me during that really the hard time again that I was facing where I had to rebuild myself and take those steps. Um, and they were influencing me to do that too. One of them had been in a similar situation, so I got to follow him a bit. I still follow him almost every day. I probably talk to him twice a day. Because you work, you work with him we now, We work right? with him now. That's yeah. great. And uh, he's, he's one of my best friends. And so, um, you know, it was, it was a moment where I worked really hard and, um, and I loved it. And so we got back to school. I had made this transition to become a submariner. I'd become obsessed with entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. watching your dad, mm -hmm. my uncle, and my other uncle. And I felt like, okay, I have this purpose in baseball and it wasn't about becoming a big leaguer. It was become about becoming a closer at Creighton. Mm. It was a new goal, new dream. Um, but also knowing that baseball wasn't going to be the end all be all for me. It was, it was, it was just a little bit of a shift, uh, yeah. defining who I was. And were, was that some of the answers that you found when you were going through that summer and to, of making those shifts, redefining yourself as a pitcher and as a as a person? Yeah, there was this um there was this really great feeling of understanding, hey, like I I'm more than this. Mm -hmm. This is what I want to do. Right. But I am so much more than just this. And um but it became that I was still so driven. Um and so that was something that just kind of came through of through really hard work and and weight room and and just shaping myself. Um, I became passionate about just more than just that. I, I became passionate about who was I mm -hmm. um, because I was going through changes and I needed to make sure that um, I knew who I was or I wasn't going to be able to go anywhere. Dude, that's powerful. I mean, like, <laughs> like, especially with, with athletics and identity, that's, that's, and when you are a baseball player and I, I know you, and we'll get to this as well, but you were forced to confront that again when your baseball career was finally over, yeah. over, but um, everybody's forced to confront that at some point. Right. And the fact, it's almost like you got a little preview of that when yeah. you got up to Creighton, you got up to the college level and realized, wow, okay, I've got to reset my targets, reset the the how of what the goal is. Right. And then you made your goal to be like, I'm going to be a closer at Creighton, which still was ludicrous at the time. It was ludicrous. And if I got back and, and told my coaches or anybody, they'd be like, oh yeah, go for it. Right. Like, we'll see how this goes. And, um, but I was determined through preparation work ethic. I was like, this is going to happen by the time I'm a senior, I will be in this situation. Um, and go through fall at submarine, doesn't go very well. And the submarine is where you're pitching like yeah, you're, you're, um, you're, like a sidearm almost you're, under. Yeah, you're you're not straight underhand. Um, you're you're kind of sidearm. I was kind of a hybrid. Mm -hmm. I wasn't scraping my knuckles against the dirt, but I was surely low. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a deceptive angle. I had to separate myself somehow. That's how I did it, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and so uh, went through fall. It didn't necessarily go so well. Um, and went into spring and. Uh, was throwing great but i just 
you know, I hadn't pitched in games um, in the previous year. I don't think I had full confidence in what I could do on the field. I had full confidence from my coaches on my preparation, but was it good enough? Um, and they didn't know. And so, you know, I remember the first weekend, um, I, I had been doing great in practices. I was keeping track of it. I was like, this is, I'm going to get on this travel roster. I didn't travel Mm -hmm. and it hurt. Um, it hurt so bad because I'd put so much into this past year. And, and then the next weekend I wasn't on it again. Um, and that was really tough. And I went up to my coach's office. I learned a really valuable lesson. I was like, I'm ready. I need you to know this because when the time comes, I know now I'm ready. Mm. Like I, I've prepared. There's no way I won't be successful. You have to give me this opportunity. I didn't travel that week. Um, but, and, and that Friday night I, we had a pass. I remember it was like one in the morning. I couldn't sleep and I went and like ran and worked out in condition. Cause I was like, it's good to come. Hmm. And the next week my name was on the list and I got to go and we were down nine, nothing. Um, and <laughs> so they were like, Hey, get out there and do your thing. Um, we just need you to eat an inning for us, um, and help your team. And, um, and I, I was so determined um, we did, I skipped over a little bit. I had created mm-hmm. this really strong routine, um, and what my why was, and there was no way I was going to lose. Yeah. And the first outing went well. And, you know, and then the next time I went out, it went really well. And then the next time I went out and went really well and it was step, step, step. Um, but eventually I was able to actually solidify the closing position that year, which was great. But then I was like, I got the job. I know what it's like not to have it. Mm. I'm not giving it away. Mm. Um, but, you know, I wasn't the most talented guy. But when it came to my why, there was nobody that stepped in the box that had a more important claim to succeed than I did. So what was your why? What you was know, your claim? I, I had a good moment the summer of my my um, that freshman year where I was learning how to throw submarine. And, you know, I didn't throw necessarily hard as a submariner and I had a a great coach pull me aside and he's like, man, you don't throw hard. There's a million guys that could do exactly what you're doing. But when you go on the mound, you have to understand that like you are, you're nobody, you are replaceable. What makes you the individual that is nobody else? Mm. What makes you, you, what is the reason that you'll succeed out there? that nobody can take away from you. Talent taken, like talent means nothing in this situation. And I started building routine thinking about my family. And I would, sometimes I had friends call me Danger Dave because I was a very, uh, a very not unpleasant, angry human being, but I was very locked in. Mm-hmm. Um, and David Goggins yep. uh, has this great under uh, this talking point of going to the cookie jar and it was kind of this dark place for me to go but i would sit down and i would think um you know what's the most ferocious animal that you can think of and i would think oh it's a lion Mm -hmm. you know and and i would think oh man if i'm in an octagon with a lion a hundred times out of a hundred times that lion's gonna maul me apart um but through some of the emotional things that i had gone through and making family this number one piece for me I thought, well, if I'm in that octagon and I've got my family behind me, I've got my mom, I've got my brother. Now it's, I've got my sister-in-law, I've got my little nephew. I will not lose. Like I will succeed. And I didn't care who got in the box. I didn't care if it was Ken Griffey Jr. 
Um, I don't care how talented they were. I had put in the preparation and I had the reason that was more important and I was going to succeed. Mm. And when you get in that mindset, it can be very emotionally draining. But, um, you know, when you utilize it correctly, you can find a lot of success and um and and understanding that like that drive is it, it you can't teach it um you know um it's it's not something that it is taught i always say perspective is earned mm. not learned um you know you can talk but until you really experience something uh, or am are very close with someone to experience something you can't truly harness it um in the way that that you can take its full potential on so, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty wild, man. It's a crazy. <laughs> I, I, we we talked about this and I and I loved it, but that it's a really powerful place to go into when you can do it with like flip the switch on and flip it off. You yep. got to be sure to like flip it back off before you go. Right. But to get get into that mindset and that routine of if you're going to even just in the everyday, if you're going to work out or if you're if you're if you're facing if you're getting facing a tough task or you've got a big project on the deadline, like get into that. You can get into that space, like harness that dark side a bit to you, leverage that. You can go there and, you know, and it's important, right? Like it's, it's a controlled chaos, mm -hmm. but you, you, you know, you can go there and, and I don't use it often, but when I need to use it, it's there. Yeah. It's a, it's a switch. And I, I think everybody's got it. I think it's got to be more than just you though. It's got to become a why, like, why am I really doing what I'm right. doing? Um, and so it's, it's, it's something that I, I still think about to this day. Um, and you know, it's, it's just how I built my perspective. It's mm -hmm. brought me a lot of success in my career. Mm -hmm. Um, and whether it had been baseball or, or after, um, and getting into professional baseball too. Um, it was something that I was able to separate myself with that though I wasn't a high draft pick, I, I didn't feel like anybody else had. Right. So. That unique value proposition, if it, you will, right? Yeah, I, I was. Uh, yeah. Value proposition. It was just um, it was something that separated me from yeah. others. And um, and that was my story. Um, and everybody's got their own. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's important to utilize that because we all have um, our own stories. We all have our own adversities. And if you harness it correctly, you can really use it to your advantage. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so for the story say I love the idea that you kind of just glossed over it casually but the idea of you didn't make the travel roster 1 a.m you couldn't sleep like you got <laughs> into the gym to get a workout and like that's the shit you see in movies right like yeah. you know and and you and you grind it and you grind it and you finally got your shot and then you performed when you got your shot and then you worked your way up to that position that right. people thought was crazy and you ended up by the time you were a senior right you ended up like really doing well there right I yeah, you know, I, I always think strictly about my team in that situation because I so much loved our team having success. Yeah. I did have a lot of individual success. I, I broke a couple records, um, which was it was great. I you know, if you had told me I was gonna do that as a freshman, anybody that you asked would have said, You're nuts. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't for that, but that was a product of of that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. A lot of success stemmed from that, um, of all that all that work that you said I glossed over. Yeah. Um, but when I go back, I, I didn't, I, the sex, success was great, but it, I enjoyed the process. I enjoyed those moments of difficulty and adversity. And I was listening to this great podcast with Eric Anders Lang 
aside from your great podcast, another one uh, with Eric Anders Lang, who's a golf guy. And he was interviewing uh, this gal named Iona Steven, who is a phenomenal golfer and now does a lot of um, a lot of work for, you know, television in Europe mm-hmm. with golf. And she had this incredible transition. But on the podcast, she got very emotional talking not about her success, but about the process mm-hmm. and how it was the happiest time of her life. Um, even though it was such a difficult time. And I think the, the, uh, the, the lesson I learned there was, man, like the successes are great, but going through that shape, that shaping, we're so lucky to like, or we're lucky to experience this pain. Um, it's, it's, it's hard, but it's really the stuff that when I feel like we get older, we'll be so happy that look what we had to go through look how we got through that look how we it's fulfilling it is it's so fulfilling yeah it's it's that it's it's challenge because if it it presents you those opportunities like we were saying earlier to to overcome and the opposite of that's bore is stagnation right like you a mentor of mine who's uh, does breath work he always says like nothing great greatness was never achieved by being warm and cozy yeah like and if you if you feel like you want to just you want to break or you want to stop like go sit on the couch for two days three yeah. days yeah see how you feel after yeah like tra- stagnation cannot exist when you're challenging yourself that's something i've learned through mountain climbing as well or the ironman triathlons i've done when you're doing it, it sucks. And the training, and, and you really got to fall in love with the process of it. And then as you're actually doing the hard thing in the middle of the race or you're on the mountain, you're just like, what the heck am I thinking? Like, why am I doing this? This, I'm never doing this again. And then you get back and you're just like, wait a tick. That was kind of cool. That like, wait, we, wait, when's the next one? Right. Because you, 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 you start to build, you start to build, you start to get to know yourself through that. Right. You're, when you're faced moment to moment with, the challenge do i rise to the occasion do i fall and it's like this it's this really fulfilling feeling as the end of the day when your head hits the pillow it's just it brings fulfillment right right totally i couldn't agree more and and it's funny because you're like ah man how did i get through all this stuff but there's there's power in knowing uh that you're capable of more than you think so um i i love that piece there of doing an ironman i haven't done one i'll say yet um, is it in my, my pride, like in my training for one right now? No, but I wouldn't keep it out of question. I would love, love it. to do something like that someday. Uh, but man, it would kick my ass yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would love that. You know, um, I, w- I think I'd benefit from it a mm-hmm. lot. So. so, so you, you post up a successful career, break some records at the end of the day, yeah. and then you get a shot yeah. at going to pro- play professional baseball. Yeah. You know, I got a job at a college, um, with a, a company out in Boston and I was going to get into some sales. And, uh, I, I had a, I had a conversation with the, the Mariner scout briefly. So I, they had wanted to talk to me and I said, it's a shame that the draft is built off of talent, not work ethic, because if it was work ethic, I'd be your first round pick. (laughs) Um, I said, but take that as you'd like, I I would love an opportunity to play. And and so I, I get to Rhode Island, I drive home and I'm watching the draft to see a couple friends that I thought were going to go through (laughs) and the 29th round comes and Mariners pop up and, and my name just goes. And I was like, Oh man, like I was alone in a house. I was like, "Oh my god, you weren't expecting to get drafted." No, I, I thought it might happen, but I wasn't expecting to right. see my name. Um, and I was I was really excited when I saw it because I kind of I redefined myself in this way. And this dream that I had, um, I had learned so much through through going through that that transition. Um, that I didn't I, I didn't necessarily do it thinking. 
I will get to this now. You know, my goal became become the closer and, and succeed there. And through that, you know, I had an opportunity. So, you know, phones start ringing, you know, hey, do you want to come? We'll, we'll give you a plane ticket and come down to Arizona and and let's 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 see how this goes. And and immediately I was like, OK, let's do this. Um, let's give this a shot. Like I'm I'm not here to you know, spend a couple of years. I'm, I'm here to really figure out how to, how to move forward. And, um, I met a lot of fantastic guys that are still playing today, um, immediately when we got there. Um, but I had learned that I was still a little different. Um, that routine I built, I think I built a little earlier than most do. And the why that I had was something that I had earned through difficult experiences and not necessarily everybody I was with had. And I, I got there thinking, man, I'm not the most talented guy again, but I've been here before mm -hmm. and, and I've got the tools now and I'm equipped to do something with it. And, and so, um, professional baseball started and, and I was back against the wall again. Um, but I worked really hard and, and, and did what I could every single day to, though maybe I wasn't where I wanted to be, get to where I, I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and we always talked in baseball, it's like, be where your feet are, you know, whether mm -hmm. you're in double a low a and you're in the big leagues, um, you know, make sure that you're doing where you are each day, make sure you're doing everything you can in that moment because your feet will be in the next spot eventually, but mm -hmm. make sure you're in this moment doing what you need to do to move forward. Um, and I really took that on. I went through a lot of changes. I threw very slow, um, coming from college. So I didn't think I'd have a professional opportunity. I worked with a great, uh, coach, um, who I think you guys know through the family, but, um, worked with me and I started throwing really hard mm. and I was like, this is great. Maybe I do have a really good shot and I had a lot of success, but my body struggled handling that, that workload. Um, so you know, I had some injuries the first year before I came back here, um, went back to spring training, uh, had an okay spring training and, but was working really hard, blew out my shoulder about a month into the right. season. And, um, that was difficult because that was out of my control. There was nothing I could do, but rehab every day, work hard in the weight room and kind of be a good mentor to some of these younger guys, maybe that were coming in or just a good friend to other guys that were influencing me that I could maybe influence as well. Um, and, and, and focus on that. And so I was lucky with the Mariners. I got to be considered one of the top player leaders there. Mm. And that was maybe one of my favorite things there because it had nothing to do with, with what I was doing on the field. I think it had everything to do with, um, the process and following that and trying to help other guys follow that process. Because when you're going through hard times, it's hard on yourself to do the right things. Um, and, and it's hard for others to do the right things. And if you can influence each other to do the right things, um, that's how great teams are formed. And so, um, I was lucky enough to, to go through that and I've got some, some great friends. I've learned some great lessons through that. Um, and that was kind of my last off season. Mm -hmm. So, um, going into spring training was, was an interesting one because it was my last and I didn't know it. So yeah, and then you got to that. That's beautiful, by the way, and and Thanks. especially around controlling the variables that you can control. Yeah. Like I, I remember seeing something on Instagram that was from a coach or something that said like, you know, all of these things are within your control that right. are not on the field. It's like attitude, showing up on time, like 
putting in the reps, like cheering on your team. Like there's so much that you can do outside of the game right. in your control to be the best player that you can be. And you really, you were, you were forced, you had to take advantage of all those things, but it's cool to get that recognition. Right. And and it is, it's, and I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a woo. I, I don't need that recognition. I, I, it was nice to have, um, it felt really great that it was noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think it was, it's, it's who I, who I was, who I needed to be. Um, I didn't do it for that, but right. it's nice to have that. Yeah. Especially being a really late round guy, you know, it was right. funny. we were sitting in front of the, uh, we were sitting in front of the front office and everybody was introducing ourselves. And, and I remember the player development guy said, Hey, you know, in front of you guys are, are, you know, first round draft picks, 19 year olds with millions of dollars in the bank accounts. And there are a couple guys here with, you know, uh, that signed for a plane ticket and maybe a couple, a couple thousand bucks to get down to Arizona. And everybody looked down the line. At me. <laughs> I was like, Hey, that's me, everybody. Um, and so and that's okay, you know. That's the cards. That's the the cards I'd been dealt. Now yeah. I was okay with it. Yeah, you know, I, I loved it. I just loved being there. Yeah, so. and, and then that's awesome. And then you got to the point that what ninety nine percent of all baseball players or athletes get to the point of being told, "Hey, yeah, this is your time. It's time to uh, time to hang up the cleats." Yeah, you know, it was interesting because I didn't know it was coming. Um, pr- a couple of days prior, I'd been told I was going to an affiliate. Uh, which meant I was going to high Modesto, um, you know, and, and so, and yeah, you know, I would play with the Mariners. I loved them. Uh, they gave me the chance to, to do what I wanted to do and, and, and get to experience that. And I have, I have no ill will against them. Um, I didn't love the reasons that I couldn't continue to play, but, um, I was dressed in my uniform, ready to go. This is a very, this is, I, I really want to talk through this. I, yeah. I, I was dressed in uniform. I got called into an office. I was told I wasn't, I wasn't going to play in the big leagues. It was never going to happen. Um, which hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go through this conversation and the truth helps or truth hurts. And it's like, no, the truth helps. I didn't know if that was the truth. It was that their truth. Was that my truth? Mm. Um, and then I went in and had conversation behind the analytics and why that was happening. And, um, and you know, it was a blur and it was hard and 15 minutes went by and I had my bags packed. I'd said goodbye to pretty much all the guys that I had really known. And I walked out into the Arizona desert air with a bag in my hands with a a beat up car saying, I got to drive 45 hours home to Rhode Island. And, um, and I got in my car and it was emotional, right? Because this was over. I, I put all my eggs in this basket. It was hard to say goodbye to the game. I'm so happy I went through the process of learning who I was outside of the game. Um, But I got in the car, I called my family, an hour into the drive, my car overheats. Mm. I call my uncle, my uncle George, and I'm like, man, what do I do? Like, do I turn around? What do I, what do I, he's like, just cool your car down, drive 60 miles an hour the whole way. Driving 60 miles an hour the whole way across the country is a, is a trip, oh. by the way. Um, and I said to him, I said, man, the only way this could get any worse is if a boulder flew out of the sky and just crushed my car. And I got back on the road and not within a minute, a giant rock skipped up off the road and spiderwebbed my windshield. <laughs> no way. And I, I started laughing. I was like, okay, I, I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be right now. Like. <laughs> like that's that's the sign right i'm where i'm supposed to be and i drove up to flagstaff i had some serious panic and anxiety um because i had to figure out what i was going to do next and then I, I drove home and it was a lot of emotional uh experiences and conversations uh, but i had good friends that were calling me and i had great family and i was on the phone with you guys too mm-hmm. and 
and I got back and, and I was like, okay, you know, I have no money. I got to figure out what's next, um, with what I've learned. And, and so then the, the process of finding a career, um, kind of shifted yeah so dude i didn't know that bit about the rock coming (laughs) up and in your windshield you can't make that up i actually can't make that up like it was it was hysterical in the moment it was it was uh divine humor yeah yeah um that i needed at that time yeah so um you know i I got home and and the process began um what did i want to do next i knew i needed a job and um and went through the process of interviewing mm-hmm. um with a bunch of different companies yeah so i i love that your meant like your mentality obviously it was just your emotions were i, I think you, I, I remember talking to you when you were in flagstaff and yeah. you just had that first leg and you were going you were on the on the drive east but your your take your perspective was i'm right where i need to be yeah yeah you know it was it was interesting um it, it was there was part of me that was like do i go back do i start throwing bullpens in front of everybody and there was a part of me that said well, what's really my why mm-hmm. um my family is and you know how how can i what can i do now to help you know my why succeed um and so um i i knew i had been in these difficult situations i knew this was going to be another hard heating moment that was going to mold me and I said, okay, now we're backs against the wall again. It's time to start taking steps forward. I had been through it a couple of times. I knew what needed to take place. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, and so through that, yeah, it was exactly, I knew exactly where I needed to be. I'd been in that situation before and it felt right. I was there again and I had to start moving forward. Yeah. So what, tell me about the, the role that resilience plays in that and how you've probably built resilience in those previous times of like, Hey, backs against the wall. (laughs) Like, did you feel a little bit more comfortable in that position in that, in that discomfort? Totally. Um, becoming, putting yourself in uncomfortable situations is, is actually what is exactly what it is. It's uncomfortable. The more you do it, the, the, it might not be as comfortable, but knowing how to respond can give you peace of mind. Mm. And so, yeah, I think that having been in that situation and that and having to, you know, be resilient, I'd been there before. It obviously wasn't where I wanted to be, but it was it was where I was. It was the cards I had and I had to move forward. Um, and and that's just what I knew. So though it was uncomfortable, um, it was familiar. Yeah. Um, and that was OK. Absolutely. So, um, you know, like I say, we're, how lucky are we to experience some pain? And, and though uh, we never want to be in it, um, you know, we can learn so much from it um, because those are the shifting moments in your life. That's it. So Pr- pressure is a privilege, as uh, Tim Grover says. That's a real. Yeah, I love that. Quote. Yeah. Pressure is a privilege. It surely yeah. is. So then your back's against the wall and you're like, all right, now <laughs> it's time for me to get a job. Well, it's funny. You know, I, I got out, I started interviewing and I got interviews with a, a, a really great company and I wanted to be in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, Omaha kind of felt like home. I had a lot of people, a lot of friends there. And, uh, but I, I really just wanted to be in a position where I could make some money. Mm-hmm. You know, I was making nothing in the minor leagues. I don't know if anybody, any of your listeners do research on that, but you don't get paid very much in the minors. Nope. Um, and you know, and so I, I moved forward and, uh, was going through interviews with them. And when I finished with the Mariners, I kind of got told, Hey, you're doing everything we want you to do. You've done everything we've asked you to do, but there's this little thing 
that we didn't tell you about and it it's not going to work and it was really difficult for me to hear you've done everything we've asked you to do and it's not enough mm. and so uh, that was tough and so i learned a, a lesson from there so i got with the company i interviewed i had no business experience yeah. um i love relationships and people i could talk to a wall <laughs> We're probably gonna go over time, and uh, and 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 I I said, listen, I I told them my story, I told them where I was, I told them I was determined. I said, give me this position, I'm the right person. I was I learned to sell myself, um, because it worked in the past. I was like, trust me, if if in three months it's not working, fire me, but like give me this position. And uh, I remember I got a call from the guy, and he's like, you've done everything right. And we really appreciate it, but it's not going to, it's not going to work out. And I sent a, an email to the president of the division that I was interviewing for. And I was basically not, uh, it wasn't an FU. It was, it was, it was responsible, but it was, you're making a mistake. Don't make it. Mm. And I said, okay. He responded. He said, okay, you have an interview in Boston, you know, in a week. And I got the position in Connecticut. So I was told no. And I, I learned like, oh. Okay, like I can I can push forward. I, I've got something that that I that someone needs, and and that felt good. And so I accepted a job with fifty eight bucks in my bank account, <laughs> um, and I'll never forget that number um, because financially my back was against the wall. But you know I wasn't thinking about the money. I was just thinking about what's next. Mm. What can I push forward with that? So I got to learn some lessons through that, and. Um, I think everybody has the the power to um, to really sell themselves, um, but you got to pick your moments. You know, you you got to go about your business and focus on the process, and uh, you have to be your own advocate. But you need to know when to advocate, and um, and you should always be your your advocate. You should always advocate for yourself, but you need to really know when to step up and look someone in the eye and say. I need you to trust me here. I need you to believe in me because I will not let you down. And um, I don't think enough people our age do that um, because two things. One, it takes a lot of self-confidence to do and you don't want to be arrogant. You don't want to be cocky. Um, but two, you're also putting your word on the line. And once you do that, you better do what you're saying. And there's a lot of responsibility there because, um, you know, that's your word is really everything and you've got to stick to that and, and, and put that work ethic in if you, you say you're going to. You don't like to take no for an answer, huh? I, I don't. I, I'm, I'm paid not to say take no for an answer. That's right. You, you're, um, you're paid not to, which me, makes sense that you're in a really great sales role, huh? Yeah, it's, it's a good sales role. And, and I work with people I love and um, and I've got a great team mm -hmm. surrounded by me. And um, but yeah, you know, it, it is. It's um, uh, it the great thing about the position I'm in right now is uh, I'm learning a lot. Um, and it's, it's interesting to know that not just in athletics is sweat equity important. Um, you know, it's, it's incredible how I think so few people take the time to really put in the time. And, um, and when you do, you really escalate yourself above the rest. Um, because average is, can be okay, but you, are you interested in that? Mm. Like you want to be somebody. Um, that's why I love this podcast because it's people who are wanting to be the others. Um, and that takes a specific kind of mindset. Amen. Sure so, does. So, so, uh, I noticed that the parallel between 
getting onto the travel roster on the baseball team in Creighton of, of telling the coach, Hey, I'm ready. Yeah. Like I'm prepared. I know that I will do this. I know that I will step up, like give, you got to give me this chance. Yeah. And you're right. I, I, I feel like nobody does that. So I, I think that when you do that and it is rooted in that place of certainty and not like trying to be cocky, overconfident, but that comes across and people, especially older people want to give people like, I think about if I was in that position, like I would want to give somebody that shot. If someone looked at me in the eye and said, you have to trust me that I will make this work. Give me this opportunity. I'm giving them that yeah. opportunity. Yeah. That um, conviction that takes conviction. Totally. And, and, and you know what, to move forward and take large strides, you need that. Yeah. Um, and, and so absolutely. I, I'd never made that parallel before. Um, it's funny that you made the, your great interview, right? <laughs> um, but like, you know, I, would never even thought of it that way. So, um, it is conviction that, that importance of that, mm-hmm. um, because man, everybody wants to believe in someone who says that it's hard not to. Um, and when you can feel that emotionally, mm-hmm. um, individuals that may be able to give us those opportunities, they've been there before. And yep. my guess is they've done it too. Yep. So totally. Yeah. And yeah, you, you, yeah. It's, and then you, you've got the work to back it up. Right. And that's the important part because if you don't come through there, you know, and, and it can be, it can be nerve wracking. Um, it doesn't mean that you're, you know, you're saying I will be successful. I will make this work. Um, when that happens, you just need to make sure that you're doing the process. Yeah, you're. Yeah, some the results will come, um, quickly or not. If you're doing it every day, grinding, they'll come. Yeah. Um, and and they, you know, I, we always said in baseball, the game knows. I lived by it. I think some guys thought it was BS, but man, the universe kind of knows. And if you're putting yourself out there, um, you know, it it'll, it'll it'll reward you. Um, Absolutely. So. Wasn't there also some details that you might be forgetting around there around you being like one of the younger people in that role or them telling you you weren't qualified <laughs> for that role or something, right? Yeah, I, I'll i always skate over details like that. I don't yeah. like to talk about. Though that's why I'm asking you about um, them. You know, yeah, <laughs> Let the record show you skipped over them. I was the youngest um, rep in that in the country at the time. Um, so I was kind of a risk for them to take on. Um, and I had a lot of success. Mm-hmm. It was an area of the country that just needed a lot of sweat equity, um, and work ethic. And I loved my team. I had someone who took a chance on me and I love her to death. Um, and mm-hmm. I need to call her, but she, uh, she took a chance on me and, and yeah, I was the youngest individual there. Um, because they told you when you were applying, this you, you you can't apply for this role, basically, she, right? She, yeah, you know they can't ask age. Um, yeah. But you know, through one way or another, I think I just told them. And uh, so when I got out to Connecticut, there was that understanding. And um, but I, I think I'd been through experiences where you know, I'm 27 now. We're 27. Mm-hmm. I I don't I I would venture to say maybe we don't act as a yeah. normal 27 year old and mm-hmm. and you know all my friends are like 30 30 they all yeah. have kids now um, yeah, yeah. so you know I, I think that it's just uh it was I, I was incredibly young there um i was i got <laughs> again i we had training i did the worst in training it was like going back to school um and not that i was poor at school it just i i struggled in that training and so i was really quickly told like hey like this is I mean, you're last in, in training. Like, that's not okay. This is not all right. And Back I'm against like, the wall again. I'm like, listen, like, you didn't hire me to maybe be the smartest, but I am going to do the work that others aren't. You know, I remember I got back from training at 
2 a.m. East Coast. I got in my car at 3.30 a.m. And at that time, for and we grew a lot because of it, but I was leaving my house at 3.45 in the morning every day. Sheesh. I was getting home at 7. It was hard. Um, <laughs> the woman, the, the woman, Benita at Duncan, thank you for giving me your coffee. Shout out to Benita. Yeah, she was the best. Um, but like, you know, it was, it was a, a, an area where like, I was like, this is why you got hired me. And, um, and, and it worked, you know, I had a lot of success and, uh, I didn't maybe leave because I wanted to some, um, external things had happened mm -hmm. with that company. Um, and I love them to death, but I had to make the decision to move and, and it was the right decision. Um, but I still love them for everything they did for me. Yeah. Um, and giving me that opportunity. So absolutely. Yeah. So the you sound and the words you're saying make it almost sound like you like i would almost picture you being just like this crazy mm. nose to the grindstone like grinder which you are but how do you also balance that with like the fun loving light person that you are who like <laughs> has fun jokes around golfs like <laughs> like you know golf too much golf too much but how do you balance those two sides of yourself which is like the you know going into the zone flipping the switch on and going in grind mode and then also being like let's not forget to have fun and play. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. It's very difficult. Um, I'm in, I'm someone who's off, off feed in and it's something that I've had to really grow through the last couple of years. Um, but you know, for me, it is, what is your version of have fun and play? Mine is being with family, talking with family that recharges me mm -hmm. being with those individuals. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a crazy partier. I, I don't love to go out. That That's not my version of play. I love going and playing golf and competing, whether it's with my friends or against myself. Um, I love being with my family, um, having conversations. I FaceTime, man, I don't know if there's minutes on FaceTime, but I'd like to see. Um, I'm sure my friends hear from me way too often. And every time they get there, they're like, oh, Dave. But like, you know, it, that that's my my views of, of, of what fun is and what mm -hmm. that it, that lightness is for me. And I love being around people. Um, you know, but I, I've learned a lot about what that means for me. And, and, and it's important because you do have to turn off. I learned a great lesson while I was living here and, and your, your family and Jewish faith of Saturdays the Sabbath. Shabbat, baby. Man, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Friday Shalom. Night. Yes, sir. Uh, but, you know, uh, Saturdays, man, I, I get away. That's great. You Love know, to I, hear that. I, I hang out. I wake up in the morning. I have my coffee and I try not to schedule anything because I just want to. <sighs> decompress yeah because yeah. if i don't um you know everybody deals with some anxieties and, and that stuff and that stuff will kick up mm. you know i need to make sure i have that time to enjoy um and to have that fun totally and that's what's going to sustain you to go in and yeah. i feel the same way it's like you know sunday through friday night is a sprint and then having that day to be like Okay, and those micro moments and those micro breaks of refuel to stop and refuel along the way through some evening stuff, yeah. through during the daytime, whatever things you can do, but then having that full day be disconnected and to reconnect yourself is just powerful. Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, it's the simple things. It's a Starbucks coffee. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's simple like that, that decompression. Day. I love it. Everybody needs it. Bro, this has been such an awesome conversation. Is there is there anything that you want to share with the listeners as we wrap up here? Man, um, I appreciate you letting me come on. This was actually really fun. I, I remember we were talking. I was like, I don't know what we're going to talk I about. I told you it was going to be fun, man. <laughs> I told you this, this shit's awesome. Um, no, this is great. I really appreciate it. You know, I'm going through some of that again right now, and I'm, I'm trying to shape myself in a certain mm -hmm. way. Um, so 
you know, hopefully I, I can, I know goals is Ted talk by the time I'm 30. Yes, so sir. we're on the clock. We're on the clock, man. We're going to figure it out. We're going to get you on that TEDx stage, man. <laughs> You're going to get up on there. Totally. Yeah. So thank so, you, man. Love you, brother. It. It's a pleasure, man. Thank love you. Me too. Thank you.